good to hear the visiting and the fellowship, but I also know why every one of you are here this morning, and that's to worship our God, so I want to make sure we encourage you to come on in, and we'll get started. We have a lot of visitors out there today. We want to make sure you know that you are an honored guest of ours. We're so thankful to have you, so thankful that you're here, and just really hope that you'll be able to stick around and let us meet and greet you after our services this morning. I also just really quickly want to thank everybody. Um, my service to the Foot Street congregation on, on Sunday morning is now over. Um, I'm able to be here with you on Sunday mornings, but I appreciate everybody's encouragement. And I'm really, really excited to be back here consistently worshiping with you on Sunday morning. Leading our services this morning is uh, Bo Gross will be leading our singing. Opening prayer will be Brother Chris Langley. Our scripture reading will be Michael Dooley. Uh, of course, Brother Ken will be bringing our lesson this morning. Brother Doug Greenaway will lead us in some thoughts before the Lord's Supper. And then Stephen Hodgen will have our announcements and prayer. Before we go to our God in prayer to get started, I want to read Psalms 29.2. It says, Give the Lord the glory that is due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, as we approach your throne this morning and we start our worship time and praise to you this morning, of course, we want to just uh, give you all the glory. I want to give you all the thanks and Father, we just pray this morning that we'll clear the, any thoughts or anything hindering us from giving you 100% of our attention and time. And uh, Father, that's our prayer. We also want to pray for those that are leading us in this service and just uh, be with them as I know they'll do the best they can to give you glory as they lead us. Father, it's, uh, we just pray all that we do in the next hour will be in spirit and truth according to your word. And so we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus Christ. 
And it's in his name we humbly pray. Amen. Five hundred and seventy-eight. It's all same. We will glorify the King of Kings. We will Father, we thank you for this glorious morning that leaves no encumbrance from the weather that we should use as an excuse to come and serve you and worship you in spirit and truth. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our elders here that are leading us uh, earnestly toward heaven. Heavenly Father, we especially ask your blessings on our two new elders as they work alongside our experienced elders uh, so that we can become more of a, a church that 
stands throughout uh, the time here on this earth that you allow. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for our ministers and our deacons and the work that they do and all of our teachers and our, all the members who do things behind the scenes to make sure your word is presented to the world in an orderly manner that lacks confusion but only simplicity in the truth that you give it. Heavenly Father, as we go throughout the, this service, as we listen to the words that have been prepared by our brother Ken, that we would look to, toward it if we're in a spirit of depression or hopelessness that the suffering that we bear here on earth is too great. Or whether we find that we find ourselves in a position where we experience no suffering Help us listen to the words that he presents to us to make sure that we're doing our part because our Lord Jesus told us that we blessed are those who suffer in his name. We're also reminded of the example of Paul who though he suffered many afflictions and he numbered them out, but a little bit later he considered those things momentary light afflictions. Because, Father, he understood that the weight of the eternal glory that was to come puts everything else in such a perspective that it's able, we're more able to do your work and live for Christ. Whatever our situation, Father, is, help us to go through this, this worship service, concentrate on Christ's death who bore the most suffering for all of us. And as we go through this life and we suffer uh, for him, let us remind us that he did the same thing for us. Heavenly Father, as we complete this prayer and uh, go on with this service, we ask all of these things in your son's name. Amen. If you'd like to mark the invitation song, number 911. 911. Psalm before scripture reading this morning, number 490. 490. If it's convenient for you, please stand as we sing this song. <clears throat>
Scripture this morning will come from Job chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. Good morning, everyone. It's so great to see you here today. And we do have a lot of visitors. We're thankful for your presence. This is a gathering of our church family, and you are our honored guest. And we hope that you're able to enjoy the fellowship that we do. We just love each other so much. We had a great men's breakfast today. And I know Dale Kendrick and maybe some others were in charge of that event, but it was a great gathering. And thanks to everybody who participated in making that a great success. Just another one of many opportunities for fellowship and bonding in this congregation. And Jody Long was back there working hard, diligent as ever, but he and his family have experienced a setback in that Wendy's mother had surgery over the last few days, Mary Sullivan, and all reports are that she's doing well. But the significant thing about that is that just a few weeks ago, the doctors were not even contemplating such surgery, that it might not even be possible. You can imagine how distraught Wendy and the rest of the family must have been, but they were able to do not just a surgery that would help prolong life, but they ended up doing everything that they had hoped to be able to do. And so far, so good. And I just, I can't help but think that prayers that have gone up from this place right here have been heard by our Heavenly Father and have blessed Mary Sullivan. Are you with me? John Roten is back in the hospital. Elizabeth says that her father has experienced some side effects from the Parkinson's disease that he's been battling And so he's going to be in Tupelo for a few days this week, undergoing some testing. The family requests no visitors, but you know what they want? They want your prayers. Your prayers because God hears your prayers. And I got a call from J.T. Beard. J.T. is like a rugged old truck that you can just beat up and drive everywhere and never breaks down. But here recently, he has had a bout with just congestion and so forth, and he's down again. He's been on antibiotics now for probably a couple of weeks. So he is missing, and his presence we always look forward to, and we pray that he also will have a speedy recovery. And Chris, thank you so much for your prayer regarding our subject matter today. 
I just sat there thinking, what, what a presentation before God concerning a heavy subject that we're going to consider here today. So I really appreciate you carrying us before God on that concern. And then, Bo, the selection of songs. And that last song, anybody who knows H.G. Spafford's story that preceded the writing of the song, It Is Well With My Soul, knows that as he penned that song on the deck of a ship over the area where his, the majority of his family had perished, you can understand the heartache that comes in suffering, and yet, what is that beautiful thought in the end of just laying it all there at the cross? Our sin, our point of suffering, just unburden ourselves with a gracious God. Isn't that, isn't that just the most remarkable thing? I am so thankful. Let's have a prayer. We're going to pray for these who are sick and are in recovery. We're going to pray that God will bless us as we study his word together. Let's bow. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessing it is to assemble here today to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for your love over us and of Jesus who makes this relationship possible and ongoing. We pray, Lord, for those who are especially ill and afflicted today. There's so many, but today we think about Mary Sullivan and her recovery, and we praise you, Father, for all that you have done on her behalf. We pray that you will continue to bless her, that she'll regain strength every day. And bless Wendy and the rest of their family. We pray for John Roten, who is in the hospital again. We pray, Father, that you will bless those who tend to his care, that they will use their expertise to promote healing and help to bring some normalcy back to his life despite his diagnosis. And we pray for JT that he will get stronger and better over this issue with his health that he's been dealing with now for a couple of weeks. And Father, we pray for this time right now, another segment and period of our worship where we are as one body contemplating your word. I pray, Lord, that you'll make it effective in us. Help us to believe, to live the things that you have told us. Not just be able to say them, that they're true, but to live them and to benefit from the truth that they are that they're effective in our life. Lord, help me today to communicate that, to share with these folks the wonderful truth of your compassion on us and of your help in our time of need. And help me to convey that truth, help those who hear it to receive it, 
And for those who especially need this message today, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will comfort them in your abundant truth. Thank you for helping us to worship through it and to thrive in it and to make it effective. In Jesus' name, amen. Man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and then fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. Sometimes when we read that first section there, they say, yeah, I know, boy, yeah, I know who he's talking about, that person who's the trouble. He's not really talking about those who are social misfits. <laughs> he's talking about probably all of us. Life's filled with its roadblocks, calamities, difficulties. You and I, just, just as people, as human beings, we face sorrow and suffering. We have trials. It almost feels like a special burden for the Christian, though. Do you ever feel that way? Because I hear James 1, verses 2 and 3, spoken when I think about my difficulties. He said to count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And I read that and I know it's true. I read a passage like Romans 5, 4 and 5. Reminds me that I'm to glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. All those passages right there just remind me, yeah, if I can trust in the Lord here and be a good Christian, I'm going to face trials, but it's going to be okay. The reason I say that feels like a special burden for the Christian is because as I stand here before you right now, I, I believe those things. I absolutely do. But the living of it every single day under the pressure, the burden of some kind of trial. Reminding myself, I'm having joy here. This is good. Do you ever have those weak moments when, of course you do, that trial, that sorrow, that suffering, it's just as overwhelming. You're at the breaking point. Boy, it's tough. I'm reminded again, Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. There is no kind of suffering that can compare with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I know. I know that when it's all said and done, when I take my last breath and I, because of my faithfulness, I enter into my eternal reward. I will be able to say with everybody else who lived before me that what I endured, it compared not to what I'm experiencing now. I believe that, but isn't it hard right there 
in the middle of it. Isn't it hard to keep bearing up and putting on that smile and saying it's okay? There are two questions. They're really tough. Bouncing around in my head right now. A question that many of us ask, maybe even on a daily basis. We just want to know why. Maybe we're strong enough. Maybe we're going to bear up. But why? Why? Why do bad things happen to good people? I hear that a lot. The other question would be, why is it that the wicked prosper? So bad things are happening to good people, but then I look at wicked people and they seem to be doing great. Why? As regards that second question, you know that you have an entire psalm that deals with that. Psalm number 73. Asaph was like many of us. He had had it because he was envious of the wicked. He looked at the wicked and it seemed like everything they did just turned to gold. I mean, everything they did was to a benefit. Envying wicked people because it just seems like they never have any trouble. And he goes along recounting all of the experiences of that until finally he says, you know what? I came to the place where I saw their end. He said, ultimately, as regards their riches, they just, they grow wings and they fly away. So it wasn't lasting. I I see that now. And also, ultimately, I'm going to be standing before God. All of us are going to do that. And when I look at the wicked, here's what I realize. That in the end, they do not have a standing before God. And so he could rejoice in his relationship with the Lord. And he could kind of put some of that stuff behind him. Okay. I don't know about you, but even if I, even if I didn't read Asaph's account from Psalm 73, maybe I would have already come to that conclusion based on some of the passages we've already looked to. I know that ultimately I'm striving for eternal life. So even if I endure some of the worst and the unrighteous are blessed, still in the end, in the end, God's going to make it okay. But that first question is still unresolved for a lot of people. Why do bad things happen to good people? Unfortunate for you, you didn't happen to stumble in on the answer of the ages here today. (laughs) Because I'm like you. There are a lot of things about that question I just, I don't know how to answer. And the human part of me just gets frustrated. Why these good people suffer? People who have so much to give and people we need at their 100%. Why are they enduring this? 
It doesn't seem fair. I had someone come in my garage one time and screamed those words at me. They told me life isn't fair. I've never forgotten it. That scream was so powerful that it still bounces around in my head. It's not fair. And I'm not going to satisfy you with an answer that's going to put the question out of your mind. In fact, it won't satisfy me either. That will still keep bouncing around in there. But here's what I want to do. I want us to think about the possibilities today. I want us to answer some questions related to that first question. And then I want to give you some thoughts about how to get some of that behind you, to move past it. Why do people suffer? Why? Why does that happen? I I would be reminded, again, one of these hopeful passages of something Jesus said in John 16, verse 33. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Hopeful, yay, Jesus is going to make it all right. And yes, yes. But don't miss the first part where he said, you will. You will have tribulation. Now you can be of good cheer, you can have the joy, because you know I'm going to overcome it. But still, still, You're going to have to endure it. You're going to have to go through it. Tribulation is a part and parcel to the experience of life. Now, let's bring it down to us, to the child of God. Child of God, why in the world are you suffering? That's who he's talking to. You're going to have it, tribulation. Sometimes he would talk about our relationship with him as being part of the reason why that is true. You know, they persecuted me. They're going to persecute you too, just like they did the teacher, so the student. I I get that. If I'm following after Jesus, they treated him that way. Why would I expect better? I, 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 I sign off on all of that. But in case you missed it, please understand that even as a Christian... And God showering you with all of these blessings and, and good things that we will talk about. I, I talked about some of them a moment ago. Despite some suffering, despite some tribulation, we went into the presence of the Lord and we asked for his mercy. And it seems like he responded and mercy has been shown and we rejoice in that. It's so great. But you do know that if you are a child of God, you are going to suffer. And sometimes you suffer, suffer simply because you are a child of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. God chastens us as sons. That's his thing. He is going to bring discipline into our life. How am I disciplined? How? Well, I learned through the experience of difficulties. I I faced the difficulty. Then in response to that, with God's guidance, that's the whole idea. I turn to God with God's guidance. Then I'm able to deal with the problem. Great. You learned something. Jesus was not immune to that, right? Remember Hebrews chapter five and verse eight, though he was a son, 
Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Jesus suffered and learned that, you know what, what God had said, that is absolutely right. So if I lean on the Lord and his instruction, the wisdom that comes from that instruction, then despite the fact I'm going through the trial, yet I have a different mind or different perspective. Yeah, it's still going to hurt. Yeah, it's still going to be heavy. There's going to be some fallout as a result. But not immune to it, but infused with the Word of God. I have some insight into what it is that I'm dealing with. Sometimes suffering is a means of glorifying God that way. 1 Peter 4 verse 16. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Yeah, I'm suffering, but I'm going to turn that into something that highlights God. Despite the trouble, it hurts, it's awful. I learned from God how to cope or deal with it, and that becomes the mechanism by which I transcend it. Yeah, I'm going through it, but I'm rising over it. Maybe suffering's like an opportunity. In Psalm 119 and verse 71, the psalmist said, It was good that I had adversity so that I would learn your statutes. That sounds a little bit backward, but the idea is, you know what, now now that I look back on it, I'm glad that I went through that because it pushed me or it forced me. It gave me opportunity to stop and think, wait a minute, where could I go? Oh, I know exactly where I could go. I could go to God. If I would just learn what God has to say about it, then I'd be able to deal with this. And sure enough, I am glad now in retrospect that I had that adversity because it turned me to a stat- it turned me to the Word of God. And in that, again, the idea of growth. As I was mulling over some of these, I found something I thought was interesting. And when, when I share this with you, I, I hope it makes the same impression that it does with you. The author was an unknown Confederate soldier. Before you think too heavy about that, I just want us to realize the reason that he was unknown is because he was lost. I mean, lost to history. Likely died in the war. But this unknown Confederate soldier penned these words. And so when I read them to you, I hope that the irony of it all comes through. That despite what he was facing and ultimately what would be his end, still he had the right perspective in it all. And the matter of growth. He said, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might humbly obey. I asked for help that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. 
I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I'd hoped for. Despite myself, my prayers were answered. I am among all men most greatly blessed. I asked, felt like I didn't receive, but the reality is what we've been leading up to, right? I did receive. It just wasn't in the package that I expected. And God's economy for my growth maybe isn't what I want it to be. I want it to be without any pain, without any hurt, without any setbacks. That just isn't how this thing works. And so is there another way? Is there another way to look at this? And he just pines away at the fact I asked, I asked, I asked. I didn't get what I wanted, but I got something much greater. (laughs) And now he is lost to history. But we are not lost to history. Here we are. And are we, are we as thankful in this moment of suffering? Hmm. Job, epitome of the sufferer. In Job chapter 1 at verse 21, he said, Naked I came into this world from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return thereto. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. What would you say next? Here's what he said. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I had it and I lost it. But not curses to you, God. Blessings. Thank you. Sometimes the experience, even in suffering becomes a springboard for greater things. Beethoven was a fabulous composer, but he never reached the heights of his greatest genius until he was deaf. Milton was a tremendous writer, but did not reach the greatest heights of his profession until he was blind. Helen Keller was deaf and blind and yet was one of the most informed citizens of her time. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, the church that's been doing so great in Jerusalem and it's growing in leaps and bounds, the words that we're using to describe it are multiplying We're just losing count of all of the converts. And now persecution has come. What will we do? Well, that text tells us that they were spread, but as they were being spread out into the world, they went everywhere preaching the gospel. Paul says that this light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. 
Why evil at all? Why, why, why do bad things happen? Why do they happen? To start with. We could say sin. Sin is the problem. And when you take into account that once the original sin of Adam and Eve was threshed out and God had extended all of his punishments, that he didn't stop with Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 17, he extended that to the entire earth. So as much as we might strive ourselves to just do right and, and be good and try to take our circumstances and, and turn them into something great, despite every effort that we might put forth, we are surrounded by a cursed environment. You say, well, Ken, I'm striving to do right, and so I'm good, okay? And, and maybe you are good, but... What about the sin of someone else? The sins of other people will affect you. You have an alcoholic or a drug addict in your family? That's affecting you, isn't it? Uh, you get out here in this car and you drive down the road... I'm telling you, you could be a nervous wreck as you see people weaving in the road. Maybe it's, maybe it's just they're texting on their phone. You say, Ken, that wasn't nearly a derivative of sin, but maybe it's not that. Maybe that is someone drunk at the wheel. How many of us have the experience in our own families of a life that was cut short, a precious life filled with so much hope for the future? In some cases, entire families. That wasn't my sin that did that. Someone else's sin. I suffer because of that. Maybe it is our own sin. I mean, we can't any of us exclude ourselves. Fact is, Romans 3, verse 23, we're all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all in that. So maybe... Maybe we're suffering the consequences of our own sin. Maybe. Maybe we'll be like David and face the consequences of our sin our entire life. We have someone we could blame. We have Satan. We blame Satan for our troubles, our suffering. We'll say, well, if it weren't for Satan... Sin wouldn't have been a problem to start with. Or if it weren't for Satan, there wouldn't be this disease and affliction. I, I just blame him for every bad thing that is creeping into my life. Uh, he is attacking me because I'm a Christian. Look what he's bringing in here. Oh, it's so distressed. I'm suffering because of Satan's efforts against me. Maybe. But you know, you can resist that. <laughs> Don't know if that's dawned on us. We want to blame Satan's fault, but I can resist that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with each temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You can deal with this. You can cope with this. You could cut this thing off right now. Satan isn't forcing this on you. You're choosing this. God's giving you the opportunity to turn that around. You could. So don't just blame Satan. In fact, James chapter 4 verse 7 says, I can resist the devil. I can do that. 
Maybe, maybe the bad things, the evil that's out there, maybe it's just circumstances of life. It could be that. Just kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe you worked in a factory job or you were a welder or something like that. You contracted asbestosis. I mean, you're suffering from lung cancer. And you were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> what in the world? If I had known better, I'd have worn a mask or whatever. It's just circumstances. I'll tell you one. My father died as a result of lung cancer, which was the result of a lifetime of smoking. Now, my dad believed until his last breath that the cigarette smoke was not dangerous. And the reason that he came to that conclusion was that when he was young and first started smoking, the tobacco companies not only told him that it was safe to smoke and enjoyable, but that it would make him popular. And beyond that, it was healthy. He never got to the place where he actually believed that the science that in the time of his youth that said it was okay, now all of a sudden says it's not okay. And it's causing your cancer. In fact... I was going through some of his things when he died, and he had a book written by a quote-unquote doctor who was using nicotine and caffeine to treat cancer. That's just laughable. My dad believed to his dying breath that smoking was good for him. Circumstances did no better. Maybe a lot of us fall into that category. It's just, it's just how it is. Well, I'm wondering like you then today, how is it that I reach forward against suffering? I, I get it. We're going to suffer. We're going to suffer until this life is over to one degree or another. And if I'm not in the midst of it now, I will be. So what do I do? First thing, trust God. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, the absolute statement on trusting God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths. That is, giving myself to the Lord. I am trusting Him for everything. Yeah, there are going to be stumbling blocks. And yes, there's going to be suffering. But I'm going to trust Him through it all. Absolutely. I'm going to do that. I trust Him. And then that trust is going to lead me to a coping mechanism. Suffering's going to come. How am I going to respond to it? i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to praise God no matter what. Now, that's going to be easy. I'll just grant you that right now. It's going to be easy when times are good. Oh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Yes, I love it. James chapter 5 and verse 13 are you cheerful? Sing psalms. I just, I'm filled with a song all the time. I just, if I'm not singing them, I'm humming it. It's going around in me all the time. Yes. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. So, hey, you know, just pitch right in there. We're just, oh, thank you, Lord. The best of times. Wish those would last. But there are also the trials we've been thinking about here today. And what James wrote by inspiration. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect worth that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, okay, so Lord, you know, I, Okay, I'm going to trust you, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to have joy in this tribute. Well, now, let that trial, you, you hang in there, and that's going to develop patience in you. Now, now, patience is really just continuing to hang in there. I'm going to persevere. Wait, what you're saying is, I'm going to have joy in the trial that's going to be ongoing and long. He says, look, I, I get it. And you, you, now, you now understand what I'm saying. So what, I, what I'm going to add here is it is going to take a great deal of wisdom for you, you to be able to hang in there for that long. This is not going to be just a, a momentary difficulty. This may span your entire life. So I want you to make it. If you are looking at that and you say, Lord, I just can't wrap my mind around that, then pray for wisdom. Let me help you. Wrap your mind around it. But don't come to me like, well, you know, I'm going to lay it at the Lord's feet, but I'm not really thinking about the Lord. I just want this burden off of me. Don't come that way. Come to me with the knowledge and the understanding, the depth of perception, the desire to serve me, and I'm going to lift you up even through the worst of these difficulties, even if you go down through the valley of the shadow of death. You won't have to fear because I will be with you. What if you were 46 years old, you were involved in a motorcycle accident, the results were that you were burned over 65% of your body, you lost all of your fingers. You couldn't feed yourself anymore. You couldn't go to the bathroom by yourself. And yet, you had the determination to rise up from this. And over the next four years, you rehabbed and you worked and you struggled until you were self-sufficient again. Glory to God! And you have taught yourself with help and instruction to fly. Now you're free again. All oh, the joy... And then on that fateful morning, you're taking off and the plane crashes on the runway. 
What if in that crash, you've now crushed 12 thoracic vertebrae and you're paralyzed from the waist down? What would you do? Would you start a business, become a millionaire? Would you learn to fly again? Would you learn to skydive? Would you get married? Would you run for political office? W. Mitchell did. And here's what he says to us today. He says, it's not what happens to you. You know why? Because something is going to happen to you. Something is going to happen. It's not that. It's what you choose to do about it. What are you going to do about it? You say, Ken, I'm just hanging on. Okay? Then hang on. Do that. Remember Philippians 4.13, our favorite text? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. And Romans 8, verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I know that there is at least one person who believes that in this room today, and that's me. I believe that, that if everything is lost, just hang on. Because Christ will empower me to do it. I know that I am not just a victor, not just a conqueror, but more than that. All of us today, no matter what that thing is, can absolutely reach forward against suffering. The question is not whether we can do it. The question is whether you will do it. So do it. Are you a child of God who's in the midst of suffering? And boy, today the Lord just, he opened something up for you. Hey, let's, let us rally around you in that, okay? Let's pray about it. Let's just go to Almighty God, all of us. We're going to carry this thing to God and he is going to hear us. He is going to be so merciful. And not only that, you won't be bearing it alone. We will know about it. We will become a part of that. Maybe you're not a child of God today. You know what you're suffering in? You're suffering in sin. And you're bearing the consequence of that all by yourself. Today, Jesus is willing, by his own sacrifice on the cross, to die there for you, to shed his blood, to wash your sins away. Today, you can have that blood wash those sins away in the waters of baptism. You'll be buried there. Your sin will be washed away. You will rise up in newness of life, a new creature. Will you suffer? Yes. Yes. But you will not suffer alone. Is there anybody who needs to respond? Now's your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing? Broken
prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, we'll sing night with Edmund Pinion. <clears throat> When you uh, came in today, the ushers will assist you with that. If you'll raise your hand as they come down the aisle, they will provide you with that. Only one point to our short thoughts this morning, and that is he, meaning Jesus, took our place. Jesus Christ was eligible to take our place because he lived a sinless life. And every day we know from the Bible and we know from our experience, we make mistakes. We continue to sin. But if we have rendered obedience to the gospel, our record is continually made clean by what Christ did on the cross, Hebrews 4 and verse 15. Jesus was made sin on our behalf, so says 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin 
who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So those who accept Jesus' offer of salvation have an assurance that the rest of the world does not have. Jesus died on the cross so we wouldn't have to. And a Christian can look forward to living forever in a situation in a place where there's no more suffering and every possible blessing is there as well as a grand reunion after a while. In Colossians 2 and verse 13, just a reminder, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made it alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. He took our place. My lapel pin today is three rusty nails. And that reminds me of what we're doing right now in this part of worship. Let me take a moment and tell you a true story about a man by the name of Bill Deacon, who was the winch operator of an air sea rescue helicopter northeast of the Scottish mainland. In November 1997, there was a cargo vessel named the Green Lily grounded on the rocks and breaking up amidst mountainous waves. She was stuck on the rocks. Lifeboats had been sent, but they could no longer approach the vessel and the crew was trapped on board. And Mr. Deacon realized that the only hope to save the men was for him to descend from the helicopter himself onto the ship. And he did so. And once on the deck, in terrible conditions, he began to attach each of the ten crew to his winch line, and they were raised up to safety in his place. But as the last two men were lifted to safety, Bill Deacon was swept off the ship by a huge wave, and his body was recovered the following day. He was posthumously awarded the King George Medal for Bravery. And those ten men that were saved by Bill Deacon's sacrifice could confidently the rest of their lives tell the story and humbly say about this selfish act, he took my place. Just like Jesus took my place and your place on the cross. And so as we observe the Lord's Supper this day, let's remember the great sacrifice, the giving of his body, and in the shedding of his blood, if you'll prepare your emblems and the bread in particular at this time. Let us pray.
Our dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you were willing to send your Son and he was willing to come and take our place. We're thankful for this bread which reminds us that he so willingly gave up the riches of heaven and suffered an abused body physically and emotionally and actually separated from you for a while is the way that he felt. And we're thankful for this bread that reminds us of that sacrifice. And as we take it, we pray we're approved in your sight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You'll prepare the fruit of the vine. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we're thankful that in your wisdom you have provided this communion for us to come together each week at this time and remember at this time the blood that was willingly shed on the cross. We thank you for this reminder and we pray that as we partake we'll be mindful and thankful and we'll be approved in your sight. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We also, uh, after the conclusion of the Lord's Supper, it is our custom on uh, the first day of the week or as you've purposed other times and given in other ways, whether it's electronically or once a month or however you have purposed and given, we have the opportunity to give back to the Lord. And so... We now have that opportunity, and uh, let's, let's pray to God for our blessings. Our dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for every blessing that we have, and we are thankful especially for our physical blessings at this time, and we don't deserve them. Help us to be good stewards in all that we do. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
past 25 years or so, I've had the honor and privilege of serving this congregation as a deacon in one capacity or another. But as the preacher said in Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, there's a time and purpose to everything. And so I believe the time has come for me to step away from the deaconship. Surely now I have some uh, restoration, some mission work, and some benevolent work, some of it in our own family that we want to do in the coming days. And some of it's going to require us to be out of state at times. But we are in good hands here. We have a godly group of elders whose main interest is our spiritual welfare. We have some deacons and ministers who work hard in service of the congregation here. So my prayer is that God will continue to bless the Boonville Church of Christ. Thank you. Brother Wayne, please know that we love you and Sister Shirley very much. Amen. Good morning. We had 321 in worship today. Thank you so very much for being a part of our worship together. If you are visiting with us, please know that you are an honored guest. And if you heard anything that, about which you have a question, please give us the opportunity to discuss that, talk about that with you. And we pray that you will come back and be a part of our services and get to know us uh, even better. I have just a few announcements. Uh, this afternoon, immediately following morning worship, the last to leaders song leading and songs of praise, fourth grade and up, will meet in the little chapel. That's immediately following this morning, and especially, let me stress that, that's fourth grade and up who will meet today, uh, song leading and songs of praise. The Landmark Nursing Home Devotional is today at four. The Fellowship of Christian Adult Singles will gather at Chris Beard's home this coming Saturday at six for food movie bonfire and fellowship and there are some more information about that in the bulletin if you uh, are interested in that please take part of that that group is growing and uh, becoming um, a great work the cooking with friends a collection of recipes uh, by the friends of Pinevale which is a, a means of um, uh, raising money for Pinesvale is available uh, in the foyer $15 a copy make a great uh, Christmas gift uh, our children's classes and our new adult quarter for adults and young adults begins today. And so I hope you'll take part in those classes. And I must tell you, folks, I left here very encouraged last week because I only thought I had uh, uh, exhausted uh, my means because I said I, I had a class that needed a teacher. I didn't get to the lobby before that class had a teacher. And uh, so I appreciate uh, all of you so very much. The listing of the new uh, adult classes and young adult classes and ladies' classes are in the bulletin if you care to look at that. And again, that begins tonight. The Girls' Day at Leoma is Saturday, November the 18th. Uh, see Carrie Beard for additional details on that. The Adopt-A-Soldier boxes can be picked up in the church office, and they are due back by November the 26th. I believe that's all the announcements that I have, except for one personal announcement, if you will allow me to, to, to do that. Many of you already know that, but, and many of you have been praying about this. But um, uh, as of a few days ago, my daughter Kelsey is now uh, engaged. 
So uh, she is engaged to a young man named Jared Hartney, and I hope you'll pray for them, and I'll keep you posted as the days go by. And apparently it's going to get interesting because I'm already receiving uh, pictures of wedding dresses and venues and such, and so, um, yeah, so you might want to pray for me too. Uh, stand with me, please, and I'll dismiss us in prayer. Most gracious and holy Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity to gather in this place, to be reminded of your goodness and your grace and your power and your presence. Your mercy and your majesty, Father, always goes before us and flows through us, and we are so humbled and thankful. Thank you for allowing us to be your children through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to praise and worship you with hearts and minds and, and, and mouth and lives. And Father, as we leave here today, may we be ever mindful and diligent and focused on what it means to be a child of yours in purity and simplicity, in submission and servitude all the days of our lives. In your son's holy name, we pray and amen.